Hello, welcome to a cold opening here on Simon Miller's Pro Wrestling Show. But just a note to send out well wishes and cheer and health and happiness and hope everyone is doing okay. But also to say, yes, this is another episode of the podcast featuring a patron because, look, we're all having a bit of a crazy time trapped inside of our house. So I thought I may as well reach out to the people that make this podcast possible and we can just have a chat about all things professional wrestling. And if you would like to do that too, you can. Just hit me up over on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Simon Miller 316, but don't worry. If you don't have the finances right now, I get it. Like I say, we're living in crazy times, but I thought I'd give you a shout out. I thought I'd thank you uh, for supporting my show, my podcast. If you don't listen, there's no point in me doing it. And let's get on with it. We talk Roman Reigns, we talk AEW, a little bit of WrestleMania, and what happens now when all this madness is over. Please do enjoy, or if you hate it, know that I love you anyway. Live from parts unknown, you're listening to Simon Miller's Pro Wrestling Podcast. The only wrestling podcast on the planet, we think. Sit back, relax, prepare for positivity to run through your veins as Simon Miller gives you your weekly dose of powerful pro wrestling audio. It is Miller Time. Hello and welcome to Simon Miller's Pro Wrestling Podcast coming back at you to try and entertain you while you are stuck in your house during a global pandemic. And on that note, of course, I hope everyone is doing well. I hope everybody is staying safe. And remember, when all this is over, how great is it going to be to be able to turn on a professional wrestling event and see people in the crowd? So keep focusing on that. Or, of course, you can go back on the WWE Network and watch a time when people were there. Uh, if you've never joined the podcast before, thank you very much for joining me. If you could head over over to YouTube and search for my name, Simon Miller, and give me a subscribe on there. You'll also get extra episodes on there, and you'll get extra episodes on here. And of course, if you join me on YouTube, it's live, and we can have a chat in person. But if you'd also like to come on the podcast, which you can do, uh, the way I'm able to do all of this, as I go on about everyone listening is like, Miller's so boring, but hey, if I don't mention it, nobody does it, is uh, my patron. I have a patron. I'm one of those guys, 2020 creating asshole. And if you go to patreon.com forward slash Simon Miller 316, you can come on the podcast. There's loads of tiers. One of the tiers is a podcast tier and I'll be happy to chat to you about wrestling as we are doing again today and like I say at the moment because everyone's got so much downtime we may as well get as many of these done as we can and for the first time in quite a while my man Dan is back all the way from Canada Dan how you doing today I am uh doing as well as possible yeah yeah I know man we're all kind of in the same boat but hey ho onwards we go I mean how are you finding wrestling over the over the last few weeks we won't focus on it too much because I imagine it's going to be the same as most people but uh, have you enjoyed the empty arena stuff are you kind of done with it now do you think WWE should have stopped I mean there's no wrong or right answers it just it depends on yeah which direction your brain takes you in yeah I I, some of the matches are okay some are are less good I mean wrestling needs a crowd that's the whole the whole, everything builds around a crowd. I get we're the crowd at home, so I guess that's why like WWE guys are not doing what they usually do or are doing what they usually do. They're playing to the crowd as the, the crowd at home. Like there's there's no difference. But uh, yeah, I need the crowd. Uh, the the shows are are not as interesting. It's it's weird they're doing uh, super long matches now, and people are complaining the matches are too long but they have to fill up all that time and they don't have the personnel they normally would have. So they don't have their four minute matches like they usually do. Instead they're given, I don't know, like Apollo Crews 20 minutes on TV and people, people are complaining, Oh, why are you giving Apollo Crews 20 minutes on TV? It's like, well, one, they got to fill time and people 
six months ago were complaining, yeah, they're not using Apollo Crews enough or this guy enough, that guy enough. But yeah, it's uh, it's it, it's tough. I mean, I think AEW is doing a better job with the ambiance around their shows. But uh, I don't know. The WrestleMania was pretty good. Uh, overall, I wish. I mean, there's a few matches that needed a crowd, uh, like Otis needed a crowd, and uh, Baron Corbin needed a crowd. But some of the other stuff is was was pretty good. I thought Charlotte and uh, Rhea Ripley was probably the best thing on the show, wrestling wise. Um, I think they had the best match of of the whole weekend. So. That was that was pretty good. Yeah, no, I think I'd agree with you. I think I, I think that's a good point. Someone made a really good point to me the other day as well when they said they think that maybe they gave Charlotte the belt and kept the other title on Becky Lynch because they're kind of stalwarts for the company. And right now in troubled times, maybe it's good to double down on those people. Kind of liked it. Kind of like the spin of that. I was like, yeah, maybe there's some truth in it. I don't know. Uh, and talking about people that kind of steer the company forward, obviously Roman Reigns did not compete at WrestleMania 36 for reasons we all know. And with the Wrestling Observer newsletter coming out in the last 24 hours and some people just speculating on it anyway, the question, of course, is when does Roman Reigns come back? Because, I mean, you may have seen, even if you're not a UFC fan, you know, Disney and ESPN have just said to UFC, you can't run any more of these shows. What are you trying to do? Obviously, Vince McMahon is able to do that. Because he's his own boss. Nobody can tell him otherwise. Whereas, you know, Dana White has to answer to people. But the point is, it's not like we're just going to get to July, August, September, and all of a sudden the doors are going to be opened again. You know, we're really going to have to double down on some of these procedures for a long time. And realistically, that could mean we may not see Roman Reigns again until next year. Obviously, the right thing to do, because his health and his safety have to come first. That is paramount. But to me, and it has been a big story. It has been a massive story. But I don't think he's actually as big as it should be. He is the most important guy as far as WWE is concerned. Was meant to win the Universal Championship at WrestleMania, didn't. And now he could just be gone again. I don't know, man. That to me is, that's nuts. And almost adds gravitas to the situation when you're looking at it from a wrestling point of view. Yeah, I think so. I think, I really think that they should be, should be shutting everything down uh, for the safety of everybody. I mean, What's going to happen if, if somebody comes in asymptomatic and they have it and now the five people that they worked with all have it and like it's it's a it's a nightmare for the company if something like that happens because they're pushing on when everybody else is shutting down. Um, but I think with with Roman, I mean, we're not gonna, like glad he's at home. Uh, but I think what I think what I would do when everything starts up is I would absolutely bury Roman for not showing up WrestleMania and and then like kind of leak it to the press that that's why they're he's never winning and stuff like that and I think that would gain him a ton of sympathy <laughs> so, so we would like this is amazing like so like, work, yeah. like, well, like a work shoot with uh, with Roman <laughs> and, and I mean, they've been trying to get him over forever, and there's always there's there seems to be this even core group that just will not buy into him. Maybe they'll buy into him on on that level and say, "Hey, like, what the hell? He 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 has leukemia. He can't go to work like that." Like, I was surprised he was going as much as he was, uh, given like the compromised immune system. It's just something he's got to deal with. But yeah, if they if they went down that road, I don't know if that. <laughs> That would build up some sympathy for them. I, I love the idea. I love going down the conspiracy theory route. I think that's amazing. I, I, if they could pull it off, it would be incredible, right? 
Like it really, really, really would. I don't know how, you know, from a moral standpoint, if they then found out that they'd done this, you may be a bit like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Um, but it would work. I don't know. Roman Reigns is such an interesting character to me because after everything he's been through and the fact that they took him out of the world title picture for a good year, if not longer, it, it just seems it's, it's almost like Pavlovian conditioning. That as soon as we move him back into the, the top end of the card, some people will just be against him. And really, I've got no problem with him being champion. I fully expected him to beat Goldberg at WrestleMania 36. I think that would have been a great, uh, whatever the word would be, you know, victory for him. It's not the right word at all. But, you know, it would look good on his CV. I mean, maybe it's because he's just done too much in main events at WrestleMania. You know, beating The Undertaker and beating Triple H for the title and everything with Brock Lesnar that seemed to go on for, for 45 years. But I, th- I honestly think right now the... Uh, presentation of Roman Reigns is exactly the guy that he should be and he should be in the title picture so I think you've, you've got a great point in the sense what else do you do at this stage uh, yeah. it, it seems more vitriolic than the John Cena stuff did I think at one point the John Cena stuff was very tongue-in-cheek whereas Roman I, the thing is I think if you'd sat down and asked somebody about John Cena most people would have had a good uh a good idea what they were doing. But with Roman, again, it just seems instinctive to me. And it seems reactive. And I, I, I honestly don't get it. I don't get it. And uh, to me, him not potentially being involved in WWE for the whole year is a massive deal and a huge loss. I really do think that. Yeah, it's, it is. It's, I mean, when you're listening to some of the pundits talk about, okay, what do they do on SmackDown now? Like, who's at that level to challenge Braun? And there's nobody. <laughs> there's like nobody there other than Roman. And Ro- like Roman's gone. And I, I can't think of anybody else I, I, other than the Fiend. And you want to keep that the Fiend away from the title picture because it doesn't work as well. Like they they made that huge mistake with them in the first place, hot shotting him into the title. And they they seem to do that a little bit too much with with uh, with some of the people they bring in or the kind of newer acts like. Like I think with um, uh, my face, Charlotte. Forgetting this. No, uh, yeah, Rhea Ripley. They, she just, she's basically been on on the rise for like six months, three months before that, and not really on the national stage. Same with um, uh, Shayna Baszler, not on the national stage. It's like she just came in and boom, she's in the title picture, and then I don't think Vince thought she was over. It's like you got to kind of build these people up over a long period of time. It doesn't, doesn't just happen. Like, I don't know. Everybody goes back to the attitude era. Like the stone cold stone cold took two years to get over as like a huge deal. Uh, from when he made that, the, the famous King of the ring thing, that was, it, they built that the next two years to build them up to a huge star. Yeah. No, it's true. So, you got you yeah. got to you got to give it time. That's the one thing. Positive is not the right word, but I think that actually works in favor of Drew McIntyre because you can't base his world title run on crowd reactions or ratings right now. So we actually are going to have a chance to kind of establish him as a main event guy and not do anything based on a single week of television. So yeah, you know that 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 seems to that seems to that, that seems to be a plus. I mean, in terms of Roman Reigns as well, in case anybody wants to know the latest, apparently WWE has left it entirely in Roman Reigns corner so it's up to him about when he wants to when he wants to come back but 
I mean, I think that kind of question is the same for you and I. When are we allowed to leave our houses again? We just don't know, which is kind yeah. of which is kind of the terrifying the terrifying thing. But yeah, you are right. There, there's a lot of hot shotting in WWE, which hopefully can calm down. I mean, they're apparently they're going to film SmackDown later. How they're able to do this, I don't know. But Vince McMahon is a clearly a very impressive person when it comes to getting around these things. And I imagine they'll probably film quite a few weeks worth. So if they get told off, they've uh, they've got it in the can. But very strange. Very, very strange. And of course, Money in the Bank has been not cancelled as an event, but has been cancelled. I think it's going to happen in Baltimore and the arena has come out and said, no, we're not running. We're not any running anything, which is the same with AEW too. The MGM Grander said they won't be running anything in May. Uh, no official statement from either WWE or AEW about what happens to those pay-per-views. But we'll find out. We'll find out. I mean, you mentioned WrestleMania 36 too and the cinematic matches. Maybe somewhat surprisingly, we have another one on NXT between Johnny Gargano and um, Tommaso Ciampa. I don't know if beforehand I realized it was going to be what it was. Maybe I wasn't paying attention enough, which is something that I, I do accidentally do from time to time, especially when I actually get to watch a wrestling show just for the sake of watching it. Oh, amazing. What a wonderful thing. But... <laughs> it was difficult for me. I thought it was very, very well done. And I thought everybody put in incredible performances. I think I've learned now that one hour, or not even one hour, that anything over sort of 25, 30 minutes, I just don't need. If there's not going to be any crowd reactions, I get very worn out's not fair, but my brain just starts thinking about other things. But I don't want to be too critical because I did think everybody involved. I liked it for twofold. One, I just like that style of match. You know, again, the length is something that I would focus on, but I just like that. uh, I like that style of match. But... The cool thing here was it was almost more movie than professional wrestling because we had a twist ending, right? We had a surprise and it tied into something that happened at the start of the film, which meant that if you weren't paying attention, it's like what really good sitcoms do or really good dramas. Yeah, just, you know, I just thought it was a really well thought out concept. Kind of a shame we didn't get this blow off in a proper match because I know that's what most fans would have wanted. And again, yes, too long, but that's me nitpicking. I was a big fan of it. Yeah, did did you watch it on regular TV or on the network? I watched it on the network, yeah. Oh, so without commercials then? Yes, yes, I got it in one fail swoop for lack of a better Okay, term. yeah, because that's how I watched it as well, without commercials. I, You know what, and I don't know, I really like those guys, so maybe it, maybe that's why it didn't feel like, I think, it, I think the whole runtime was like 35 or 39 minutes or something like that. It didn't feel that long to me. Um... Oh, yeah, but, sorry. yeah, I should say I meant the one hour for television. Yeah, sorry, I was really Yeah, it was like one hour for television, which yeah. I guess could, with all the breaks would be bad. But yeah, on the network, they take out all the breaks. So it was it, it was kind of like a little, it was like a cut scene from one to the other. They'd fade to black and then come right back. Um, so yeah, I didn't, I didn't notice it as much, but I really like those guys. I didn't notice it as much as with like Randy and, and Edge. And we can talk about that in a little bit, but yeah. Um, yeah, I, re- I really enjoyed the match. Uh, maybe a little overproduced. It maybe it would have uh, helped if they went down the Undertaker uh, AJ route with a little bit of the background music. They started with that, and I thought, oh, this is going to be cool. And then they stopped, and they just kind of let it go. But, I mean, I'm a little weird with the ending. The ending doesn't feel like – feels like it should continue. It was one of those endings, but it should – I mean, it was – it's, this is supposed to be the end. This is it. So, and hopefully it's it because I mean they've they've done all they can do with this particular storyline. But I think they got to leave it for a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. 
I don't know if they will go, go down the Sammy Zane, Kevin Owens route where these guys will never fight again, and then three weeks later they're fighting. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, pro- probably. I, I, I can see it happening. I agree with yeah. you about the music. I think all if we're going to do this, you should treat it like a Christopher Nolan movie. And even if it's just there in the background, it just fills the silence. And sometimes you want that silence, but sometimes the silence is all you can hear, as bizarre as that sounds. But, you know, without wanting to, you know, I'm not saying it's on the same level at all, but it's the same with YouTube videos. Sometimes you can watch a YouTube video that goes over 10 minutes, if you're editing it, for example, and it just feels a bit sparse. And then you put a backing track in there, you're like, oh, this works all of a sudden. That's just the power of music. And I think, especially when you saw it from The Undertaker AJ Styles point of view, it, after a while, I forgot it was there, right? I totally forgot it was there. And that, to me, means you did something 100% correct. And I was surprised we didn't use it more here. I would guess because maybe it was taking, because some of it, you know, most of it was taking place in a ring as opposed to a boneyard. <laughs> I'm yeah. saying that. Maybe they thought it didn't work, but I think they could have done it. Yeah, I think I think they could have too. It it replaces the um, it replaces the crowd in a way. Like the the music in the boneyard match re- replaced the crowd because it, it it wasn't just this constant like background. It was changing music based on the on the tone of the match, and it just kind of feels you like a movie does. I mean, the when the music changes, it changes all the emotion. It, it as much as it's in the background, it it helps it helps build the match uh, and build the the production i don't know we don't have to call it a match uh but it, do, it does build performance mm. for, yeah. for everybody it makes it a little more engaging and a little more um a little more easier to watch yeah uh given given the amount of time you're going to do these long matches like that and they have to fill a lot of time maybe kind of fill in where the have the music build where the match is building have the music go down when the when the match is on a downslide and you know, that would help with, yeah. with some of this and, and getting it through. Yeah. And I think it's fair to say as well, that obviously WWE are new at this. So they're going to try some different things and some things will work and some things won't work, but yeah, that's something I would definitely insert in, but Going back to what we were talking about a second ago, I really, really did love the the twist with Candice LeRae. I thought it would... I mean, in many ways, it makes no sense whatsoever. Oh, what I'll do is I'll pass you a cup. Okay. <laughs> just, just hit him in the balls. But I liked it, right? Sometimes I'm okay for the story to have somewhat of a plot hole in it as long as it took me on a nice little roller coaster ride. And that's exactly, yeah. that's exactly what it did. And, you know, to see them walking off into the sunset together... It's kind of like what I always wanted from Hollywood or somebody in Hollywood to do. And I know there have been movies that do this, but I'm talking about more of the stereotypical cliched movie. Like the end of Empire Strikes Back, I love because the Empire win. You're like, oh my gosh, the the bad guys are absolutely kicking ass right now. This is really fun. And that's kind of what this was. It's kind of what this was. The, the, The bad guy, although you could argue maybe he's not the bad guy, which of course why this feud is so layered you know, leaves yeah. the supposed good guy on the floor. And again, they just strut away. I got, I think there's so much to, to digest with that. I just thought it was really good. Yeah. I, I, I thought it was really good too. It, it, uh, it kind of hits, ticks all the boxes as you like to say. Um, yeah. Sometimes the bad guy can win. I think that's fine. I, I, so it'd be interesting to see where, uh, where each guy goes from here. Um, but yeah, with the the whole cup thing, I don't know. I find the cup thing a little a little silly because I don't know if you've ever worn a cup and got hit. <laughs> it, it's like a, a, it's the way they describe a, a a bulletproof vest. 
it doesn't kill you like it but it still hurts like hell <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's, it's not like a shield <laughs> yeah it's yeah. not like oh it's not like on the the simpsons where bart is kicking millhouse with the cup and he doesn't feel anything it's not like that at all it hurts it hurts a lot so but i mean the the whole visual thing is made it made it work uh, yeah. made it work at least somebody is smart enough to put a cup on well, yeah eight, and it was, it, it was a cool, <laughs> exactly, and it was a cool story, right? It, it was yeah. a nice story to make you go, oh, you know, you get you get a cool reaction. I do agree, kind of cheesy, but I liked it. I did. There's no point pretending otherwise. And I did. I thought it was a decent a decent way to move on from that feud until, like you say, we probably revisited at some point. I think we can probably rest the cinematic matches now a little bit, uh, which is not their fault. It's just you know, three in the space of a week is. Uh, well, I, I guess you say that, but then if they came up with a great concept, I would love it. I just don't want to run it into the ground because I think balanced out, WWE has stumbled something on here that they can actually you know, add to their business proper as opposed to just burning it out now while we have this coronavirus stuff. Um, yeah. but, I, I, but it's hard. I guess it's really, really hard. I mean, do I just want empty arena matches all the time either? No, I don't. So maybe they now need to come up with something new, which may sound grossly unfair, but... They're the ones that decided to keep running shows. So yeah, it's their job to find a way to keep us entertained. Yeah. Yeah, that's the thing. They're, they, they've they put themselves in this box. They, nobody would would fault them for saying, hey, we, we're shutting down here. Watch some old Raws, some old Smackdowns or highlight packages. Here's a here's a one hour, one of the, the documentary kind of things that they do on the network about this guy or that guy and add in a bunch of match stuff and – I mean, that stuff is is really good, but I don't know if it's network TV good. I think there's a, kind of a niche market for for those documentaries, but I mean, there's they have, have a whole library of stuff, so they could they could fill time somehow. But this what they're doing now, they it's really hard for them to really do a layered TV show. They don't necessarily know how, who's all going to show up, and then there's only a handful of people who are there. Yeah. Um, no, it's true. It's true. Yeah. And it's being reflected in the ratings as well. Like, I only talk about this because I know people are interested. I don't really care about ratings even when things are good. I'm interested in them and I like statistics. But ultimately, did I enjoy the show? Yes. Did I not enjoy the show? No. That's about as far as I care when it comes to... You know, I like to see what other people's reactions are, and I want every wrestling show to be watched by billions of people, but I'm not going to let it keep me up at night. And, you know, NXT won by uh, 1,000 people, which is incredible. I think AEW wow. did something like 692,000, NXT did 693,000, um, but AEW looks better if you're going through those reports simply because it had a better demo, and that's what advertisers care about. That's not why I'm bringing this yeah. up. My point is, you know, another point of contention potentially that we should chat about like I just said there, I mean, NXT's around about the same 693,000, but AEW down at 692,000. Uh, the Raw after WrestleMania is the lowest one they've ever done. And I know it's been on a downward trend for a while, but there's no point pretending. You don't look at those numbers and go, oh, this is because of the coronavirus. I mean, of course, a lot of it is, but there is also a resistance. Well, I, mean, I think my point being here is usually during these last few months, we would get the casual fan coming back and getting involved. The WrestleMania boom, the peak of WWE season. And we didn't get that this year, even though, you know, Vince McMahon thought otherwise. I guess because a casual fan tuned in and went, no, I need that crowd reaction, man. I'm buzzing off that, as we all do. And I think my big question, I am playing devil's advocate massively here because I don't actually think this is going to happen. 
But what happens when we get back to normality? Do the, the people that have their routine of watching Raw every single Monday night decide to stop watching or just forget because they don't do it anymore because they didn't like what WWE's presenting? Does this come back to, you know, kick WWE in the ass? I just find it kind of fascinating that we are in this uncharted territory. Like Mark Henry, I'm not saying this to diss him. I respect him like crazy and I think he had an amazing career. But he said he thought maybe 200 million people were going to watch WrestleMania. No, Mark Henry, that did not happen. <laughs> the other way went, and I don't know how much worth you put in Google's trends and searches, but I like, I like, again, I like hearing about this stuff. And obviously Dave Meltzer said that the second night of WrestleMania was nowhere near what it would usually do. Which I don't, I'm not, it's not worrying because the only worrying thing at the moment is how is everybody's health. But what do you think, man? Let's say we get back to business in September. Is this is it going to be a knock on effect, or do you really think we'll just default to where we were before? No, I think I think when people stop watching a show, they stop watching the show, um, and the, the something might drag them back later. But uh, it's it's just the way it, it takes. I think it's I think I've heard it, it's six weeks to kind of break a habit of like watching a TV show or some regular thing. If you stop doing it for, for a certain amount of time, you just no longer really want to do that. And you've gone on to something else. So, I mean, people might come back. There may be a, a kind of an off factor to, to finally seeing crowds again. Um, and I can see wrestling doing it before everybody else. So it would be a bit of a novelty. So maybe, maybe they get the, uh, People coming back because it's finally back and nothing else is back. Um, but I think for the most part, if people are dropping off now, they're probably not going to automatically come back. So it's going to, if we're going to bottom out at like 1.5 for Raw and SmackDown, in September we might be starting with 1.5 or maybe it jumps up to 1.7 or 1.8. But it's not like SmackDown I think was doing close to 2.5. And I think Raw normally would do about 2.4 or something like that. So you're still going to lose a huge portion of that audience who's just not going to come back because they're not invested. Sometimes I, I'm watching Raw, I'm like, oh, this is not as good as it used to be. Maybe I should stop watching, but I'm so in the cycle. It's like every Monday, I'll just, okay, maybe this week I'll get better. And this week, I'll, but you can, it, once, once you stop, like I've, I've watched TV shows and then stopped watching a TV show, it, even ones that I've enjoyed. But once I've got out of it, I just stopped watching it. And that's just the way that, that people react to to this kind of thing. They just, once you get out, you, you're kind of out. So. No, dude, I, I'm just, there's so many times I look back on a show that I enjoyed. And I'm like, why did I stop watching? And there's not really a reason. I just did. <laughs> I just yeah. did. So, yeah, yeah, it's very surreal. Um, let's talk about AEW for a while because uh, I know you said earlier before we started recording you wanted to talk about that as well. I, mean, I haven't really talked about Dynamite, to be honest, since we last did a podcast. I mean, I thought their last show was... It was okay. You can see they're trying to fill time now, which again is not their fault. That's just what they have to try and do. But I am very much enjoying the presentation of Lance Archer. I think they've got that spot on. And it's the same with Brody Lee, to be honest. That seems to be a contentious character, to say the least. I love it. I think, you know, if you're trying to be the leader of a cult, and you know someone that was essentially a leader of the cult, <laughs> why, why not take on some of their mannerisms? I mean... Everyone always says, oh, WWE, you know, they shouldn't be taking shots. But I don't think it's as on the nose. Like, if you didn't know they were taking shots, I don't think you would even have a, an inkling, is my point. Uh, but what do you think about it, man? Are you enjoying the Dynamite shows? What do you think about Lance Archer, yeah. Brody Lee? 
Yeah, I mean the the Bernie Lee stuff. Uh, yeah, if you didn't know, it wouldn't it wouldn't kind of bother you. But I think with the AEW's audience, they're all in the know. There's that's a core audience. That's the insider type audience. Um, so and with with Brody Lee, it's so on the nose. It's like, oh, just don't do this. Don't remind me about the other company. Do your own thing. Be your own. Be your own company. There's plenty of cult leaders out there that don't like get mad at people sneezing and eat steak every day. Like, like there's there's other elements he could bring into that, and then he could have spread that out over a much longer period. He brought in some elements from outside, and then mix in a little McMahon here and there. It's and it seems to be like I'm Vince McMahon whacking you over the head. So and I, I like Brody Lee. I think I think he was misused in in WWE or it just wasn't a spot for him. And there seems to be a spot here. So I think I'd like to see that that character continue. Um, yeah, I, I think with um, Lance Archer, Lance Archer's been presented pretty well so far. Uh, I think Jake's done a really good job with him. Uh, those promos are really good. Um, I know we don't like to cut off people's names, but get rid of Monster. Just Murderhawk. Done. Lance Archer, Murderhawk. Yeah, that's a fair one. Murderhawk monster. It's, yeah. too, it's too much. No, I agree. I Actually, I, that, that makes much more sense. Right? It's more marketable as well, if you want to go down that yeah. route. Yeah. So I think that's that's been pretty good. Um, I didn't like his match with Marco Stunt. That was kind of silly. Marco got like way more offense than zero. So that was, I, I just don't like Marco Stunt. <laughs> Let's talk about that. Why not, man? Tell me why. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I want to point out before we get into this, I completely agree in everybody's opinions. Do you know what I mean? I have, there is no right, no wrong. But yeah. I, I am fascinated because I, I honestly find the Marco Stunt discussion fascinating. And I just, no one ever, most people don't have the, the balls basically to speak up about it. I get why, because people yell at them. But no, I, I want to hear it. So yeah, dude, let me know. Yeah, so uh, it's the it's AEW set themselves up for this. They present. They said they wanted to be a sports based presentation. They want to do sports based wrestling. Okay, fantastic. In what sport does Marco Stunt face Lance Archer? Like that would just never happen. You don't see that in <laughs> boxing and in any kind of MMA. Well, maybe in the old days before. Oh, I do know. Hundred percent in the old days. There are some horrendous fights in old school yeah. UFC. Almost unwatchable. Yeah. But I mean the 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 visual, like I mean the visual is kind of cool, but Marco it I feel bad saying this, but if you can't win a game of stop hitting yourself against somebody else, then uh then you probably shouldn't be a professional wrestler. So I don't know, it's to me, it it doesn't fit in with the with the sports presentation. They give they give him way too much offense in in the matches, and I find I find that the wrestlers that work against them look like they're they're wrestling themselves, like because it, it the the actions that Marco's taking doesn't match with what should be happening with somebody that size facing. Like a Trent Beretta or like a Lance, like even Lance Archer sold for him. Um, yeah, so it's a, the whole sports-based thing. So I, I'm looking at it as a, a sports-based level, not sports entertainment level, where 
WWE might get away with something like that because they, they present it in a different way and they're they're telling you this isn't a sport and it's entertainment and AEW is trying to say this is a sport and wins and losses matter. What a, um, what about if he was taking on people that were the same size as him? Cruiserweight-esque, but that's probably not the right word. Yeah, cruiserweight would... Like, if he was facing people more his size, it would make a little more sense. But there's when you're facing a guy who's got 100 pounds... Like, a, Marco looks like he's about 100 pounds. He looks about... Like, Brad's my son. He's 12. He's about 5 foot tall. You, they look about the same size. Like, Marco does look like a, like a 12-year-old boy. And the other thing I worry about a little bit with Marco is his. I don't. He looks like he might get hurt. Just the taking some of the the moves that he's taking. I don't want to see anybody get hurt just by like having to take the abuse. And it, when you're a small guy, the big guy throwing you around, one, it looks really cool, but it probably doesn't feel good on the other end. And you're probably taking a lot more abuse than you then you need to just to, to kind of fit in so no dude i think i honestly i i i completely understand where you're coming from i, I find it fascinating like i say because i come down on maybe i'm just more sports entertained <laughs> maybe i just without even realizing it that's my gut after after growing up with it for so long but i love seeing lance archer chuck around a small guy you know it's just, <laughs> taking safety out of it i want everyone to be safe of course but and I like the fact that professional wrestling is so wacky that we can, you know, it, like I think you've hit the nail on the head, but we come down on the other side of the fence is that I like because professional wrestling can do that, whereas other sports can't, you're able to see it presented in that fashion. Whereas, yeah, if I'm watching UFC or football, you know, I, to me, I suppose it's like the FA Cup over here in England, where you see the smaller teams take on the bigger teams. I get there's a there's a more of a drama there because you you know a smaller team can beat a bigger team on on a on a day on a game that's how sport works but yeah. I, I I do see what you mean as well that look you're not alone the only real issue I had with the Marco stunt argument is the people that just abuse him and I'm like well, there's no need for that but if somebody wants to you know say that this isn't the wrestling for them of course that's allowed of course it's allowed like you know what you want it's your form of entertainment and you figure it out and you figure it out as as, as you go makes perfect I, sense in the world on that note though dude what are you making about all the matt hardy stuff because i know it's not in the same ballpark but it is wacky like it's really wacky yeah so i, I think with with matt hardy i'm gonna throw in orange cassidy here as well because it's all part of the same theme it's all sports based um sports-based wrestling so with the matt hardy that the whole teleporting thing oh my god oh it was so dumb it looked so bad it looked like somebody clipped that in there on the like did all the the jump cuts on a from a youtube video so it didn't look good and i mean now he can teleport like in in broad daylight in front of people like why and so if you want to see the surprise roll-up, it's Matt Hardy teleporting behind Jericho and rolling him up. That's <laughs> well, the ultimate surprise roll-up. That should be his finisher. Dude, he can if, teleport. If they do that, I'll, I'll stop watching wrestling because I'll be so happy. I'll be so happy. <laughs> but we do need to point out that apparently it was Vanguard 1 um, putting a holographic representation of Matt Hardy to make it look like he was teleporting, but actually he was not. That was what they came out with instead. So we do have to. Yeah, yeah. We do I, have I did to defend hear that. Him. <laughs> and, and that. That makes it dumber. It actually it makes it dumber. They should have just left it as it was, and we just did a camera trick. We tried something, it didn't work. <laughs> they've, they've said that before. Hey, we tried this, it didn't work. We're gonna do something else. They 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 break kayfabe all the time. So I don't know. Um, but yeah, it, it, it's similar to like. Uh, so I have a question for you. 
why is Orange Cassidy in AEW? In, in a kayfabe sense. In a kayfabe, oh, in a kayfabe sense. Well, I would presume yeah. that if you were going to ask someone from AEW, they would say, well, he is a part of the best friends and we, we hired them as a team and he's like their manager's not the wrong word, but you know what I mean? He's like their, their buddy, their guy, their extra, their third. And, and, okay. and now he's got his, I'm dude, I'm making this up. I don't know. And now, yeah, he's, yeah. Got, and now well, he's got his door. He's, you know, he's got, a foot, he's got his foot in the company. He fell out with pack and therefore he got a shot that way. I don't know. That's, that's off the yeah. top of my head. Okay. Cause well, when Matt Jackson was pushing this, uh, before AEW started, he said, if you're an elite athlete, we want you to need AEW. And Orange Cassidy, as he's been presented early on, was not presented as an elite athlete. He was presented as this guy who just does the the soft kicks and, and all that stuff. And the crowd goes crazy. I, I watched uh, a lot of Orange Cassidy matches on YouTube. For some reason, he started popping up in my YouTube thing. And I started watching him. I was like, yeah, this is really cool. It's funny. And but they've never explained it in AEW. They've never explained why this guy got hired in the first place. What what did people see? Or so he, he like early on, he'd just come in the ring and he'd do his his silly kicks, and then somebody would just destroy him. It's like why is he, why is he there? So I don't know. I think they should should have came up with some kind of a backstory for him. Like I don't know. Maybe his maybe he's like a trust fund kid, and. The only way he can dig into his trust fund is uh, he has to have a job. So as part of a deal, he knew Tony Khan and Tony Khan gave him a job so he can get into his trust fund or something along that lines. And then that would explain why he's so lazy, laid back, whatever. And then once he goes, he he can go. Like the, the guy can really go when he wants to go. But they've never explained in the sports-based wrestling company, why this guy is is even in the company. So uh, that's fair. So I, it's I, a little frustrating. Yeah, so I think your point is, is you just kind of want to see some of those holes tightened up a bit. Some of those cogs kind of, you, you want to have, I, I see what you mean. You want to have more of the, I, I hate comparing, but it's just an easy way to do it. You want to have more of the New Japan style stuff where they will, you know, double down on that stuff as opposed to WWE, which is happy just to go, yeah, whatever, don't worry about it. You know, you yeah. actually, you, you want to be able to hold on to these threads and see them develop, which is perfectly understandable. Yeah, I want to understand where, why this guy is, is where he, like is in the company. What, what's his backstory? What's he, what's, what's the whole the whole deal with with Orange Cassidy? And, and they've done that. They've they've had some problems with the undercard, um, especially the women's division. The women's division has like, like you said, they just kind of throw two people together. There's not a, a lot of um kind of threads and personality and maybe some of that is using uh a lot of the japanese girls coming over and they don't speak english so it's harder to develop uh feuds between people but i don't know the the women's division there is is struggling uh but i really love Sheeta. i think she's fantastic i think they're getting there with it now i think their sheeta yeah. being number one contender helps massively i think they've stumbled onto greatness with Britt baker as a heel she's just i just you know i think she's awesome i understand that people go, oh she's so green yeah but she'll get there don't worry i think the match yeah. on dynamite might prove that um 
I think they have a great roster too. It's just about making sure you give me stories like you are with the singles men's roster. That's it. And I know you're limited to 120 minutes a week. Oh man, dude, what we should talk about um, is the comedy match from Dynamite because that kind of falls into this boat we've just been talking about as well. Like, I think people kind of misconstrued what I said on ups and downs. Uh, I gave it an up and everyone was like, oh, I was like, no, 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 let me me clarify. Do I want to see that every week? Absolutely not. Was I happy for 20 minutes of nonsense when I'm trapped in my house and I watch a man putting olive oil, whatever you want to call it, baby oil on himself? For 10 yes, that's fine. I was laughing thinking this is the goofiest shit I've ever seen in my life. I can handle that. But if it becomes <laughs> if it comes week to week, no, I'm going to get bored of it. And I do like DDT, the Japanese promotion, if you don't know. And I will say, if you don't know and you like insane wrestling, <laughs> go and watch DDT. You'll see pandas having uh, having fights and you'll see like, I don't know, toilet seats winning titles it's bizarre uh, i don't want to go too much in that direction because i think i'd rather aew to be more balanced but i feel like yeah. you've got more of a well you just feel stronger about this stuff than i do so i'd love to get your opinion yeah i i don't know i didn't i didn't like i didn't like most of the matches on on the card this week um and but this one in particular i i didn't mind the comedy so much um because that's kind of what nakazawa is he's he's a comedy wrestler i don't mind comedy wrestling um even even if you want to put it into like there was he was still trying to win the match uh he was just doing things to that were funny that were like the the baby oil thing if if you can't chop a guy if it takes a, a weapon so it it's funny but it's also makes sense within the the structure of the match um yeah taking out your uh your sweaty uh, gitch and putting it in somebody's face that's that's kind of funny and and insulting and all that other kind of stuff but again it's all part of trying to win so i didn't mind that so much what what really bothered me on AEW this week is they make their referees look like idiots all the time and i don't understand why like in in that in this comedy match, Orange Cassidy did a dive outside onto Kenny Omega. That's a disqualification. He did it like right in front of the referee. That's a disqualification. And it and that's the thing. Like AEW is like, well, we don't do disqualification finishes. Okay, but all you're doing is ignoring disqualifications to do that. Like you're not you're not doing it behind the back. And it, WWE does way too many disqualification finishes, but AEW just ignores all the disqualification stuff. So, um, yeah, they did it in the Sheeta match. They had uh, all the wrestlers holding Britt Baker. It's like, that's a disqualification. You can't help. <laughs> and the Pineapple Pete holding uh, holding Sean Spears. Nothing wrong with Pineapple which, Pete, though. Shout out to Pineapple Pete. That was a fantastic Pete. line, Pineapple man, Pete. Shout out to my man, Sugar Dunkerton. Such a good guy. Such a good guy. Oh, But in that, in that match, in the Cody match, they, they both should have been disqualified, like, a few times. It was... It's like, don't make your referees look look silly. Try to stick with it. If you're going to have rules, and that's why you have a referee, you have rules, stick within those rules. And that's the thing with their their tag team matches. It's like all of a sudden it's, that horn goes off, and I didn't hear it, and there's an empty crowd, and you can't hear it. But maybe it's a wrestler thing. Maybe you hear it because you're a wrestler. So <laughs> you hear when the horn goes off, and you know that, oh, everybody's just going to do all kinds of stuff, and there's no tags, and you, you lose track of who's who and – I'll play, because I'll, I'll, I know people will be um, screaming at their 
uh, audio devices is a bit much, but I'll, I'll play the other guy because the defense of this, of course, is that they are playing it much like uh, New Japan plays it, which is the, it's the referee's discretion. And if the referee thinks a match should go, they're allowed to make it go. And if a referee thinks it should stop, they should stop. And, you know, the body that is all elite wrestling is going to take a step back and, and you know, let it. Yeah, but essentially, the, the argument is they're actually giving the referee more power because it's completely up to them whether they cause a DQ or not. I'm not saying I agree with that. I'm not saying I disagree with that. I'm just presenting that because I'm intrigued by what you'll say. Yeah. Well, I think it, in if you think of it from a sports perspective, and if this is supposed to be a sports presentation, uh, can you imagine you're, you're watching your, your favorite football team back home uh, and the other team throws on a 12th man onto the field and that person picks up the ball and scores. And not only would your team be mad, but all the other teams in the league would be mad because it, it ruined the integrity of what's going on. So I don't know. That's, that's kind of where I'm, like, I'm, try, I'm trying to fit within the rules that they're like, they're, it's, you have to follow the rules of your own universe. And that's, that's what gets frustrating with AEW is they, they go, Oh, we want to do this cool thing. But we set up this thing. Ah, we'll just do it. And then they just do it. It's like... <laughs> no, dude, look, it's a fair point. And I think it's a doubly fair point because clearly, as you were allowed to do, you bought into this idea that uh, AEW would be more sports-based. You know, let's just call a spade a spade and keep it and keep it simple. So do you think they've moved too far away from that to a certain extent? Because I, I will say this. I think that more often than not, AEW puts on such a good show I don't find too much to criticize about it from a, did I enjoy this standpoint? Do you know what I mean? Did I enjoy this? Yes, I did. Therefore, all is well. Do you think that's something that they need to go back to then? Do you think they've kind of lost their way a little bit? Yeah, I think, I think, um, yeah, I think they have lost their way a little bit. They have the best show. Um, overall, I think they have the best show. They don't necessarily have the best wrestling. Uh, I think NXT still does the best matches. Um, I think they're. I think they need to tighten up that tag division. Uh, they have the best tag teams. They don't have the best tag team matches. I think NXT still has the best tag team matches with the limited tag team division that they have. And AEW has this great tag team division, but with the I, the the ten count that never gets implemented and just everything goes all all crazy in all their matches, it's like it it takes me out of it, and that's that's what. Uh, where where I find where I struggle with AEW is they'll do mostly they'll stay in, in their lane and then they'll go they'll veer way off and and kind of take you right out of it uh, that's that's the part that gets frustrating and you're watching and you just get taken right out of out of the the reality you've kind of built for yourself because that's the way I look at at wrestling is I'm trying to look at it as everybody in their universe or their world believes a hundred percent of what they're doing is is legit and I, I do that with wwe as well the whole so when they do this these fourth wall breaking matches uh and promos talking about like people's real names and real lives and, and stuff that isn't inside the wrestling business then i don't know that kind of takes me out of it so that's what i would like to see a little bit more and their women's division needs needs still needs a little bit of work um, they're getting there. They're, uh, and I would say, so one thing I, I like talked about is I don't like that each company is like trying to lock up talent for long periods of time, especially WWE. 
sometimes they should just let people go and like a perfect example, I think would be Natalia. I think Natalia going over to AEW would be huge for that division and huge for Natalia as a, as a performer. She's done everything she can in WWE. There's nothing left for her there, but for her to go to a different company and new matchups and, and she could be like a player coach in there and, and really help kind of solidify that division and add another another good character and knows what she's doing and can build up all this this young talent. It'd be nice to have a great women's division in AEW and in NXT and in WWE. It's just that would be fantastic. So yeah, I, I I think you make a great point. I think Natalia I think she's so ingrained with WWE, she'd never leave. Do you know what I mean? Like, just because of her dad and everything that goes along with that, which I understand. But I do know what you mean in trying... They're the, the holding on to talent. Like, I remember listening to Rhino on Chris Jericho's podcast, uh, where he essentially said that WWE offered him a ton of money just to sit around because they didn't want yeah. him going anywhere else. Like, I love Rhino. I was always a fan. But in 2020, Rhino is not the the player that he once was. You know, he's just not because that's what happens in all life. We all have our shelf life, unfortunately, and we enjoy it for as long as we can. And then we get to the other side and we just continue on to have fun within our own worlds. But for WWE even to be worried about someone like Rhino, it kind of, it's not a bad thing. I, I get it. You know, you're in a war and Vince McMahon's been through it before. But yeah, I, I take your point, essentially. I, I take your point. I take your point. Well, you want to you want to see people move around and have different stories and do different things. Um, yeah, it, I, get, I guess they're getting it from a business side, but... From a, I think from a fan perspective, if you had people jump to the other company and or jump back and forth, or just people who are stale, who've kind of done everything, um, like even like a Randy Orton before the whole Edge thing, uh, would have been another person. If you just let him go to AEW, he's already done all the, what, a 13, 14-time champ or whatever in, in WWE. He's done everything there. So you bring him over to another company, and then they build up somebody and maybe it's a Lance Archer who comes over to WWE or Kenny Omega. Well, probably not Kenny Omega because he's in the executive, but somebody else in, in that group, maybe best friends come, come over or uh, the Lucha brothers come into WWE after they've done everything in AEW and kind of light up the division over there. It's people moving back and forth and getting new storylines and refreshing their characters is, it would be good for the wrestling industry and for, us, the consumers. Essentially, the old territory system, right? You get, you, you know, you, you get tired in, or you, you wear yourself out in one territory and you go across to the next. But of course, they were all working together, whereas now everybody wants everybody else to cease to be. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, that's the big difference. I mean, but then, I mean, they got uh, a lot of extra life. Like when Flair went to WWF way back and the first time he did it, it was because they were going to phase him out in WCW. And then he kind of reinvented himself for a few years in in WWF at the time and introduced himself to an entirely different market who may not have, have really seen Flair. Uh, I was one that, that never saw Flair because he was down in WCW yeah, in the pocket and yeah. we didn't see that stuff. So not necessarily that they were still national, but they were more Southern. And so it, you move guys around and you, not everybody watches every TV show, so it's uh, it'd be interesting to see people move a little bit more and, and kind of refresh and get new new rivalries and, and all that stuff. So 
No, dude, I think you make a really good point. And as always, when I always get you on, dude, I like that you you don't hold back with your opinion. Even though we don't see eye to eye on some stuff, I find our conversations fascinating. So I, uh, no, I genuinely, I, I appreciate that, man. Last question for you before we start to wrap up. Uh, going back to WWE, just because it is such a crazy time. Two brand new world champions. You've got Drew McIntyre, you've got Braun Strowman. What do you do with, uh, with either of them? Because I think it's such a tough question. Somebody asked me on the live podcast the other day, the YouTube one I mentioned earlier, I said, who do you feud Drew McIntyre with? I said, I have no idea. And they said, who do you feud Braun Strowman with? I said, I have no idea. I don't know what the option is. Seth Rollins seems like a good choice for Drew, but he lost. I know it doesn't matter in WWE, but I'm just speculating. Yeah. Same with Randy Orton, but he lost. And I think you have to do that edge match in front of a crowd. So yeah, where, what, what direction do you want to see them going? Um, yeah, with Drew, I'm, I'm not sure what you do with Drew other than, than Seth Rollins. There's not a whole lot of else there i'm thinking of top heel type characters i mean you could I, th I think the goal is alistair black at some point but i mean that would that would be really good um i'm trying to think of anybody else who's top heel there's no really really top heel guys um and they've, they've killed so many characters by giving them half pushes and stuff like that because I mean, over in over on the other side, over in SmackDown with with Braun, I guess you can go with like a Nakamura or like Sami Zayn's got the other title, but even then, there's not a whole lot over there on the heel side because they've kind of buried everybody. Everybody, everybody's stuck in the mid card. There's nobody at the at the top in waiting. They haven't. It, they kind of make everybody get everybody just gets beat all the time. It's like this whole 50-50 booking, so you never get the the big top guy. I can't think of anybody on on really either brand that that you want to see. And there's nobody in NXT that's going to move up. Uh, that's a big that's a big uh, heel that's kind of ready. Even though I would like to see, um, uh, I guess it's Punishment Martinez with the old name, Damian Priest. I would love that gimmick. And he's got this this kind of aura about him, and he's got this bad guy image. But I don't think he's he's ready for for that yet. But he's he's one that you could maybe think of. Yeah, no, I like Damian Priest. He's one of the few big guys who has like the manly voice. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, he's, yeah. you're actually scared of him. Yeah, he looks like he kicked your ass. He'd be really good with somebody else as well. Give him like a Brock Lesnar scenario. I think uh, I think he'd bounce off somebody really, really. I don't know who that would be. But yeah. yeah, no, it's a good shout, man. It's going to be interesting. I have no idea what direction WWE intends to end. I am massively intrigued. It's, and usually I get, I pride myself on having quite a good uh, feel for this kind of stuff. And this time, I honestly have no clue. I don't know. Because a lot of it's obviously made up on the fly, especially the Braun Strowman stuff. Clearly never meant to happen. And when, I would I'd probably imagine if Roman Reigns would have won, we could have done Roman versus uh, The Fiend, which we were meant to do. But then I don't really want that either because I think The Fiend should stay way away from any championship for the, uh, for the foreseeable future. Yeah, I don't think he should have been near a championship for until maybe WrestleMania winning one. Mm. And and just kind of beat a bunch of the lower card guys. Yep, and then Becky Lynch it, keep it on him yeah. for a year. Absolutely, dude, yep. you are not wrong. And then we would not have been well. A lot of the conversations we had over the last six months would not have cropped up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> on that note, Dan, thank you so much as always, dude. Genuinely, I love our chats because you know what you want and you're not afraid to say it. So uh, yeah, you're a good dude. Thank you, man. 
All right. Thanks for having me on. Always, Talk always. We'll get you back on soon. And of course, if you want to come right. on the podcast, you can. Patreon.com forward slash Simon Miller 316. If you want to see my uh, sparkly face, you can do it as well. Just look for YouTube. Search for Simon Miller. Give me a subscribe. And yeah, when you're there, we can uh, you can check out all the other videos I've done as well. Um, otherwise, what else do we do? Instagram and Twitter at Simon Miller 316. And I do have some merchandise, simonmiller.bigcartel.com. I'll get out to you as soon as I possibly can. But thank you very much, as always, uh, for joining me. And I'll talk to you all again very soon.